Welcome to the State of the Planet, where we sit down and discuss, you guessed it, the state of the planet with incredible thought leaders and innovators. And today I'm so excited to welcome Colin Tui to the discussion. Colin is the co-founder uh, and CEO of Pavilion, which creates flexible solar powered fabrics, everything from stadium roofs to clothing and everything in between. So Colin, thank you so much for joining. And I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I'm thrilled to learn more about the state of energy and more specifically alternative energy. So if you could just kick us off with who you are and, and what led you to be a pioneer and an innovator in this fast growing uh, vertical. Well, yeah, thanks. I would say that it's a little ambitious for me to speak for all energy and all future of energy. I'm, uh, I, we are experts in a subset of it that fit like a piece in a very large puzzle. Um, when you look at the larger scale alternative energies, we are one piece of one piece. That being said, I do think that it's a huge growing potential, not just from a business perspective, but from an environmental perspective. So effectively what we do is we look at surfaces that get hit by the sun all day. And as you can imagine, there are lots of them. And we say, why aren't those surfaces also opportunities to generate electricity? So we look at canopies and awnings and membranes and landfills and lots of scenarios where you might not be able to fit a typical rigid solar panel. And we say, we still think this is an opportunity to generate power. And for us, what that means is a lot of those environments are non-traditional and they're remote and they're off-grid, meaning there isn't traditional access to electricity. So we're providing electricity in contexts that typically wouldn't have them. And that is goes part and parcel with the growth of folks' demand for electricity. So it's not just that we're using more, but um, you know, in 2019, I think one and a half billion smartphones were sold. Those all have to plug in somewhere. And if you can create the supply of energy in line with the new demand, then you're not increasing the demand on the existing infrastructure. And that's a big part of what we do. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's remarkable to me. And I'm, I'm just envisioning a world <clears throat> in which every surface has the ability to capture the power of the sun. And I, I think the world would probably look a whole lot different, probably a bit shinier and um, yeah. <laughs> also greener. Yeah, and, there, and, and we have no problem with traditional solar installations. That's absolutely uh, a part of it all. I mean, that's the, the majority of it and what's going on. But what we have to look at is that it's not one technology wind competing with solar, competing with hydro. They all have to move together appropriately. And when you look at the future of energy growth, the real future is in what's called DG distributed generation. And that distributed generation can be solar panels on a house powering your house, which means you don't have to pull as much from the grid. But in our context, it means during a disaster response situation like a hurricane or an earthquake, when you set up power in a remote field for an airport or a runway, you don't actually have to bring diesel generators in. You can set up your tents that you're going to sleep in and simultaneously power that entire airport. And so distributed generation is not just, we have a grid and we want to generate electricity at the remote locations of the grid or the nodes of the grid. We are actually saying, well, what about situations where you actually, there is no grid and, and globally that's growing significantly every year. 
to me, it feels like such an obvious, I mean, maybe it's obvious now that you say it, right? But it's kind of, it feels so, it feels so obvious. So, I mean, what do you think has existed before this moment that has kind of prevented us from growing and, and creating systems that are distributed? Well, one thing is that a diesel generator and a few gallons of fuel is pretty cheap. And as that cost increases and as we understand that there are externalities and costs that you don't see associated with those diesel generators, I think people are starting to realize that, well, you know, a solar panel that you buy once and you use for 25 years really does make a whole hell of a lot of difference. So I think that as the price of fuel goes up and not just the the pure market price of fuel, but people realize what the environmental impact of that fuel is, there's a big change. I also think this is a, it's a behemoth. I mean, how many trillions of dollars have been invested into the fossil fuel industry uh, for very legitimate reasons? I, you know, the, the logic is sound. You just go right into the earth and you get it. But we have to understand that this is a shift that takes a lot to turn. Mm -hmm. And so every minor adjustment takes billions of dollars just to shift from one technology to a slightly different one. And so the idea of a full course correction where you're going 180 degrees and saying, we're actually going to build houses uh, in developing countries and they're not going to have a power grid. That's anathema to the way that we think of development. Uh, is that we actually don't need a power grid. So we don't, we don't need permanent infrastructure. We can have infrastructure that's localized. And, and that's a big part of what we're, we're working on. Yeah, <laughs> perfectly said. I, you know, what more to say? I think what, what's been so interesting is as, as I've learned, right? I think we, we all know that there needs to be a shift, right? We need to move away from the, the extractive resources um, and, and sort of energy centers. But I think that what is so often uh, not realized is how much money, time, and energy that actually takes. And so saying we're, you know, by, by you know, 2030, we're going to be completely, you know, carbon neutral is perhaps a bit ambitious, but, you know, what it does mean to me is that we need to start right now. Right. We yeah. should have started, we should have started, you know, decades ago and we did to some extent, but we should have had the urgency decades ago, but we really need to make the shifts now. So, I mean, if there was something, because I think part of where, um, part of my experience is I want to make a difference, right? I want to, uh, you know, put my money where my mouth is. I want to walk the walk, not just talk. If there is, you know, one thing, two things, three things that, I could do that, or you would encourage me or anyone to do to really start making a difference when it comes to energy and how we interact with it. What, what would that be? Well, I'd say the short-term sort of typical user of electricity is paying their utility bill in their apartment or their home and, and in, an, in an urban or rural or suburban environment. The simplest thing you can do is ask for and make sure that you're getting that energy from a clean resource. And if that means you pay five bucks more a month or you get a discount on savings through a community solar installation of five bucks cheaper a month, 
just ask those questions. Make sure you're asking those questions. I mean, I know you're, you've talked about supply chain and it, it's important to look at whether your supply chain is sustainable. It's the same thing. Where is my electricity coming from? That's a very easy, low hanging fruit thing to do. Um, and then I would also say is uh, the regulations are vital for this to say, you know, enough is enough and that we need to promote these things through market innovation, right? So it's not just a pure mandate. They, there need to be sensible regulations that say we are going to make this shift and the individual can write their congressman, write their senator and be willing to pay that two extra bucks on their utility bill to make that shift. Because a lot of really smart people have figured out if you pay that two extra bucks on your utility bill, it's going to make a whole hell of a lot of difference. And so I would say, you know, start small. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, I agree. <laughs> and I, I actually just yesterday got um, a letter in the mail, not an email, that was, you know, and it was like an opt-in for where I wanted to, or where I would like to pull my energy from. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, Take man, that I seriously. Mail this yeah. back. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. I don't totally agree with that, but it works. <laughs> right. So, all right. So I want to change gears a little bit. Um, what got you into, this is two questions. One is what got you into this field in this line of work? What, what was your eureka moment or was it just a series of, you know, life experiences. And yeah, we'll start with that one. Yeah, well, so my business partners, uh, Todd Dallin and Robert Lerner have been designing and building tents for over 35 years. And I got hooked up with them as I'm an, I'm an electrical engineer and they're fabric structure engineers. And we kind of met together. Uh, they had some early product prototypes of this general concept, which was a tent that could generate electricity. And that really is kind of was kind of the MVP to say, look, we have a tent, there's no power here, let's put some solar on it and let's generate electricity. That is what we continue to do to this day. And that's absolutely the core of our business. Fundamentally, it's really more about, wow, if a tent could do it, what about an umbrella? What about an awning? What about your clothing? What about a membrane over a reservoir? What about a membrane over an oil tank? Um, you know, so I, we got into it through the electrical engineering side and the structural engineering side. And we blended those together to form this company pavilion. And, and what we really focus on is the integration of the solar cells with flexible materials, wherever that may be. Um, where we've headed is, like I said, it's not just tents, it's lots of stuff. So anything that gets hit by the sun is an opportunity for us to integrate and, and apply solar. Yeah. So, okay. In what I want to paint a picture of is how this um, kind of technology looks and feels and works. So, you know, let's say there's this, the area of a queen size bed, right? Mm -hmm. We'll know how big that is. So if that has direct exposure to sunlight for, you know, how much, how much energy can we capture from, from your technology? Yeah, let's see about that. You know, we're probably talking on the order of 500 watts, uh, 800 watts, maybe, which is enough to power 10 laptops. Um, 
So let's just say you have one laptop because you don't really need 10 in a queen size bed. And so you'd have one or two, and then maybe it's powering the fans, the light, um, the U USB ports for your phone charging. Um, probably not at that scale, full air conditioning. Um, but you know, you're talking about enough appliances that you can plug in to have lighting, charging, uh, maybe small fan, maybe a refrigerator for medicine or for your food, small. Um, and so that's kind of what we're talking about. So if you look at something that is about the size of an eight and a half by 11, you know, regular letter paper, that's going to charge a cell phone. So just kind of as an order of magnitude, okay. if you have 20 of those, you're, you're charging 20 cell phones. Wow. That's, I mean, that's just so cool. So what would, um, you know, now I'm in my tent, right? Sun is hitting, you know, mm -hmm. are you, does your technology also include the storage and kind of capturing that energy? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, half that's half the battle, right? Is to size that appropriately, make that useful for the customer, um, make it light and easy to carry. Okay. So yeah, it's, you know, it's a batteries that are just like what's in your cell phone or just like what's in a Tesla, um, similar battery systems. It's just somewhere in between as far as the size goes. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> I want to be capturing energy now. I'm like, can I yeah, no, I mean, we, we've done, we've like done, in the sun. we've done awnings and curtains and, you know, and you so know, residential is, apartment type products. Absolutely. What is the most exciting, you know, project that you have done? Like, where do you, where, when you got the email, um, you know, where, when did you like light up? Like what project were you so stoked on? So that's a great question. I would say, a lot of it is related to our government work. And a big part of it is that the scale of the consumption and from a negative perspective waste that our government uh, uses is, is, is tremendous. So if, if we can scale what we do at a national and international level that is funded and promoted by the largest organizations in the world, which often are related to the US government, I would say that's really exciting because the scale is so huge that they have the steering wheel for that ship, right? So we really can make a difference at, at that scale. And so I think that also trickles down when you look at GPS and the internet and early solar panels, it's all coming initially from some sort of government project. Right. And so for us, it's really important to be grounded in reality by having real commercial customers who are paying today, like you're going camping and you want a tent and it's gonna produce electricity to the far out there stuff that's 10 years away and then everything in between. And, and we're, you know, you're in, a, you're in an environment where you're trying to sell stuff today to a customer and you have to do right. that, but you also have to think, well, what's someone going to want in a year or two years? Or is there innovation that I can bring to the table that might take 10 years? And so I think the thing that excites us the most is to balance the reality of our existing customer base with the future growth of much larger scale installations. So, yeah, I think you make a, a really fascinating point or interesting point around government, right? I mean, I think it was ARPANET and then it went to the internet. Right, and mm -hmm. was like mm -hmm. a, a government project. Um, you've done projects for the government. I, I think I read about a, a military tent, a self-assembling military tent. Right? 
Um, where do you see that going? I mean, can you share any of the the kind of current projects or yeah, hint yeah, at absolutely, future? Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think that's the tip of the iceberg for what we're doing. But if you look at it, I believe um, you know between 2010 and 2016, it was the federal government spent about $20 billion a year on air conditioning tents in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now you can, you can totally disagree with the war and that's a, that's a totally separate topic, but at the very least we shouldn't be spending $20 billion on air conditioning tents. Um, so the thing that uh, to my point about the scale of the potential solution for these problems is we're looking at uh, replacing equipment that might be 30 years old, 40 years old, and is just pumping out cold air in a desert. And the work that we learn and the work that we do in that context, um, which is effectively a self-powering tent, right? So you pop it up and in fact, it, how it pops itself up so you don't even need human intervention you can just press a button and it opens up like you know kind of like a big umbrella and it powers itself it cools itself it heats itself and if you're in a cold climate it has lighting it has everything you need ac outlets and you know there's just we're doing more with less right so you if you have a tent you need to bring all the power and why would you bring a separate item why don't you just make it all integrated so you know, for us, the first step of the sustainability conversation is to say, how do we take something that's already getting hit by the sun? Like I said, really early on, how do we take a product that's already doing three or four things and make it do five or six things? It's, you know, it doesn't have to be as complicated as a Swiss army knife, but, you know, for us, it's, it's about doing more with less. And the easiest thing to do is let's not build a whole racking system out of metal beams and glass panels and rigid, you know, frames around a solar panel. Let's say, well, you already have the racking system. You already have it. You have a tent. I mean, you have a frame, you have the material to support the solar panels. Why don't we actually just do it on something that exists? And I think that's for us, the first step of sustainability is to, is to do more with what we were already given. Yeah. I love that. I mean, one of my personal uh, heroes is Buckminster Fuller and his whole, you know, ethos is, is, around doing more with less or one of the central points that he makes. Um, yeah, not to, not to mention, I mean, when we're looking at the structures we're building, fundamentally we're using less material than you would use in rigid building materials that are all, you know, in compression. We're using tensioned fabric structures. So right. there's, there's just, there's less material even without the solar. So I, mean, I remember absolutely. Going to one of his exhibits, that was really what everything was about, right? It was like, how can you... Yeah instead of working with compression, how you work with tension. And um, yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm not an architect, I'm not an engineer, but it all made a lot of sense and it looked very cool and it seemed very functional. And I think just, um, you know, that's what we need, right? We need to embrace the, the mentality of doing more with less. I mean, on a different note, it's kind of how we've built the business, right? How do we actually just, um, you know, how do we think, think smart? How do, <laughs> as it, you know, work smarter, not harder and, and kind of see what's obviously in front of us. Um, so you, like you were mentioning that this is the tip of the iceberg. And I think that, you know, as you're explaining this structure, you know, I'm like, why am I living in this apartment? <laughs> like, 
I want. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason the way. You know, I don't want to take. There's a reason that things are the way they are. You know. But, right. No. And yeah. I think sometimes for better, but look, the, the, whatever that reason is, it's not like we're sitting in this beautiful utopia. Right. I, I think that there is a lot yeah. of real change yeah. that has to happen. And, you know, I am certainly not a doomsdayer, but a dream of mine is to, you know, be able to live on a piece of land and have my own access to water and capture my own energy and, um, you know, and grow my own food and, and really be self-sustaining. And I think that like what you're hitting on is kind of at the core of that, right? If we could free ourselves from the grid and this is maybe, I don't wanna, you know, come up, I'm not trying to go into like revolutionary territory here, but if we can, you know, free ourselves from the grid and kind of be autonomous in terms of our our energy, capture, how we capture and how we consume, I mean, that is a world changing yeah, well, you don't have to, I don't think you have to be a revolutionary to think of it even in an urban environment, right? So you're talking about kind of going into the woods, building a tent, living off the land. Okay, so that's one thing. The, you know, as an example, we're working in the Bronx right now on storm resiliency hubs. So in community gardens around the Bronx, there will be canopies that are solar powered that in the case of the next Sandy, which it's not a question of if it happens, it's when it happens, there will be resiliency hubs with clean water, a supply of power for people to charge their cell phone, Wi-Fi and cellular connectivity that you know connect directly um, to the network. And there'll be community gathering spaces. So this isn't just about going off and doing your own thing and autonomy. And I fully understand that that's a big part of what we're talking about, but there is a community gathering element to this where there is uh, resiliency even again, even within the context of an urban environment with lots of people gathering. So, you know, both, uh, both ends of the spectrum are definitely possible with this type of technology. Yeah, no, I mean, that's beautiful. Like I, that's, that's, a um, important and impactful and an absolutely beautiful thing to be doing. So, um, I, I really, yeah, it's fun. It. It's, it's fun. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely fun. So, um, what do you, yeah. Okay. So speaking of fun, right. Like what do you find the most, uh, inspiration in, or the most fun in, uh, in what you're doing on a daily basis? Well, it's interesting. I'd say as a, as an engineer, I probably used to say, if you looked back on these types of things that I did years ago, it'd be creating something from nothing, right? It's like, mm -hmm. we have this idea, we come up with a night with a sketch for it and then we build it and then people are using it that's really exciting. Like as a creator, as a builder, that's really exciting. I would say the, the next step of that. And to me now the most exciting thing is, is that our business and that our enterprise and that what we're doing is sustainable in the sense that, you know, now I'm talking sort of financially sustainable in the right. sense that like, wow, people really want this and they want more of it and we're going to get more of it. And as we as we give them more of it, we can right. now afford to build a better product. And as we build a better product, more people will want it. So I think the technology is really only as good as your ability to sell a lot of it. And right. it doesn't even have to be about selling a lot of it. It's just getting it out there. And so what really excites me now is when a customer says, this works so well, I want more. And a user says, you know, I, I was able to not use power. I mean, we, we worked with a customer who said they have a daily fuel supply that comes in on a truck 
And they said, we just called them up and we said, we don't need the daily fuel supply. So if we have one customer like that, imagine 10 customers like that, a hundred customers like that, a thousand customers like that. It's like, that's genuine sustainability. And, you know, in theory, we won't be needed at a certain point, but I don't think that's anytime soon. So that I, I'd say the sustainable element of repeat customers is really exciting to us now. Yeah. It's kind of right. Like triple bottom line, right. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people, planet, profit, it's, it's important to be. And I think that so often we don't acknowledge kind of that, that third P right. Which is profit. I mean, Mm -hmm. like you're not Mm -hmm. working towards, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if we don't acknowledge it, but I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's publicly promoted as much in this world. Like we're a business and we need to make money. And in order for us to make a difference in the world and in the environment, and the only way we can have this conversation is if we can afford to be in business a month from now and continue growing and continuing this conversation. So part of the sustainability of these movements is that there are business models that work is that people can afford what you're doing. They're willing to keep paying for it so that you can keep growing and not just growing, but providing better product to more people for a lower cost. You know, I think that's, I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree. And I, I sort of was speaking the perver- in the proverbial sense, yeah. Not, yeah. not you and I, I mean, we're business owners, right? Like <laughs> we don't make money. We don't have, Yeah, a but I don't think we should pretend. I don't think we should pretend that, you know, we're not in this to make money because I think sometimes businesses like ours get a little bit of a black eye where people go, Oh, I don't know. I mean, you're from New York and you have long hair. Like you don't really care about profit. Like you're really just, no one can do solar unless they are have money and don't really care about the bottom line. It's like, no, we're a business. And we need, we need to emphasize the fact that this is a business because I think it actually does a better, it, it, it serves our industry better to say, actually, you know, people are making money doing this. So, yeah. uh, you know, get on the bandwagon. This isn't just a bullshit thing that costs a lot of money. Right. Well, I think that the one thing that everyone agrees upon, right, right, left, business, not business, is that, you know, money is important in the sense that it um, is, it's a very, it's, it's a shared, you know, experience and that, um, we really have to, uh, you know, we have to demonstrate economic viability if we are going to move anything forward without showing that is it's economically viable, we're dead in the water. Right. And I think that that's a misconception and, and something I actually wanted to ask you about, which is what do you think the misconceptions of, you know, the current state of energy are right. I would say, a an example is, oh, wow, solar is like so expensive. I mean, maybe yeah. it was, it isn't now, right? Well, so what are some of the misconceptions you've, you've experienced? Well, for us, we're in a little bit of a niche industry and in that what we're doing is different, right? So as an example, I think one of the misconceptions is that for us is that I pay $100 for your product and I'm going to get $20 back every year and I'm going to make my money back in this period of time. And it's a very simple calculation. You're not calculating. You're not thinking about it, any of the externalities. You're not thinking about the value add. You're not thinking about other cost savings. As an example, uh, as a counter example to that is we're working with uh, Home Depot in their equipment rental centers. They're looking 
to charge the equipment that they rent to professionals and individuals, right? So you go and you rent a backhoe or you rent a chainsaw or you rent a drill and that has to be powered somehow, but it also needs to be outside. So we're providing tents and structures that actually charge those devices. Hmm. But if they wanna say, hey, we're having a Labor Day sale and we wanna move this thing to the front of the store or to the side of the store or around back in the winter because no one's renting tools, they can do that. And you know what they would need to do is they would need to dig up the parking lot every time they're running power to those different locations. So the return on investment isn't just, hey, we're saving money on electricity. There is a value added by having a mobile device that can do more than just produce electricity. And I think the misconception or the challenge for us as a business is to say, we are not solely providing electricity. We're providing shade. We're providing shelter. We're providing mobility. We're providing options, right? We are selling mm -hmm. options to our customer. One of those options is power. And that is what people focus on most. And that's kind of what we sell most. But I think there is a misconception that it is directly the power that's the return on investment. That is a piece of the puzzle and an important piece of the puzzle, but there's a lot more to it than that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think that customers want, from my experience, customers want to identify with this one thing, right? This product does this one thing. Yeah. Um, and it's kind yeah, of- and we can, and, and, and as that example, we can just say, oh, well, it costs you $20,000 to dig up your whole parking lot, run, you know, 500 feet of cable and you do right. that two or three times a year and you've saved a ton of money. <laughs> right. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's almost unique to experience real life products that will do that will truly do more with less. Right. It's kind of antithesis yeah. to so much of what we know, like, you know, let's talk about the supplement space, for example, just as a parallel, it's like, I need to buy a product for this and 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 a product for this. And, product for this. and it's like, oh, wow, I actually, maybe this like does more than one thing. Like, I, I don't know if I trust it or, or, right. Or it's just not necessarily all that familiar because I think well, so often we try well, to a big, a big, monetize. Yeah, I think a big challenge, you know, let's go back to that corporate example, right? So we're selling to a corporation who has a team that thinks about their utility bills, right? Like there are people who really know how much they spend on their utility bills. And so if those are the only people that are going to look at this product as valuable, then that probably won't sell that well. But if their marketing team is also looking at it and their operational or operations and their facilities people are also looking at it, you're looking at it holistically, you're going to make that sale nine times out of 10. And so sometimes it's just looking at it through a different lens and having the right people make those decisions because it's not just going to be one decision maker anymore. There's really a, a lot of input to make something genuinely sustainable and integrated. You have to have more people come to the table and that makes it more of a challenge from our perspective. Hmm. Okay. So if there were three things that you wanted people to know, I know that's a... <laughs> No, that's a big three. Question, broad question. All right. Let's say, yeah, let's choose your, your top three things that you want people to know about what is going on in the world of energy, alternative energy, solar, you name it, your world, what would they be? Let's see. Okay. One big picture thing is we are making a shift to distributed generation DG. So we are shifting away as a society from a power plant hundred miles away with massive power lines that come into our cities. And like that shift is happening, right? So one thing I just want, you know, everyone needs to realize is that we are generating electricity in more and more and more places and we're distributing it in a smarter way. So that's, that's one thing. 
Um, the second thing would be there are more opportunities to generate electricity in a small scale way than you might think, right? So as we shift in from a macro in a macro sense to that more distributed model, we now that gives us the opportunity to generate electricity in more unique ways, right? Um, and then the other thing would be that the largest growth in electricity demand is coming from the developing world. And a big part of that is that last mile, right? That last mile of utility wires. So if the growth is in that last mile, right? So from big, small, medium, or from, from big scale to medium scale to small scale, that small scale, when you think of small scale, so, oh, it's a little house that uh, has a few lights and a refrigerator and a fan. Well, there's a ton of them and there's a ton that are going online in the developing world every year. And that growth is exponential, which is a great thing. But we need to make sure that that last mile is serviced appropriately from an energy perspective. And that's something that we can offer is to say, look, th that last mile can be entirely grid independent, entirely grid independent. Not always. And there's some backups and there's some exceptions to that. But that last mile, I think, is a real opportunity for new technologies to come in and say, we're going to locally you know, hyper locally produce uh, electricity. So those would be my three things. Those are great three things and highly informative. So I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, all right. So if we were, if we want to learn more, if we want to support, if we want to get in touch, tell us how to do so. All right. Uh, website, always a good one. www.pavilion.com. That's PV like solar, P-V-I-L-I-O-N.com. Um, and, you know, go contact us anytime. I think our phone number is right on there. Someone will pick up and we'll be able to talk to you whether you have a crazy idea or you want our products or just want to chat. We're, we're happy to pick up the phone. Incredible. And if I can, this is a personal question. If, if I wanted to go out and like purchase something for me personally, what would you recommend? Like, what's your favorite kind of uh, little pavilion? Or, I, yeah, I would say, pavilion? I would say like a little, I would say like a little folding charger that you plug, you know, has a USB port and you put it on your backpack and plug it in. Um, that's, that's the simplest thing. You know, that's the easiest thing to do and get in touch with us and we can see what we can do to get you one. Okay, Perfect. Um, Colin, thank you so much for your time. Thank Thanks, you for your expertise and, uh, may the, may the power of the sun be with you. <laughs> Absolutely. You too. It's much appreciated.